What's happening, everybody? Another episode of Icy Takes. We're down one person this week, but that doesn't mean anything to us. The schedules didn't line up for us last week, and you know, someone is lucky enough to be on vacation. And Zach, that person is not you. How are you doing this week? I am doing fantastic. That was my dog Greta just decides to scratch right around when we start recording. Of course, I am doing well. Um, I need a vacation though, for sure. How about you? Uh, yeah, I, I could definitely use one, um, especially to relax the body after this past weekend. Um, leading up to softball, um, you know, you partake in some activities, and I think you know what that is. Um, but yeah, for two days of you know getting a good drink on, and then going into softball and playing a doubleheader, body's feeling it all day today. Got to ask, how'd you perform in the doubleheader? Uh, so fielding was shaky, uh, for sure. Um, it's a mainly on me. It's almost all on me, but a little bit on that field too. It's a, it's a little messy. It's the first day, first day of the year. So, I mean, everyone's struggling, but, um, hitting wasn't that great the first game, but second game went around five for five. So scored a couple runs. Five for five, not a big deal. And, uh, I'll tell you what. You know, at a, at a man my size, in a field that it would probably be 300 feet deep, roughly, in center field or 325-ish, um, I should not be liking out a triple. But whenever I was rounding second and going to third, my legs almost shut off on me. Oh my God! You legged uh, out a triple? Yeah, and it, like and there's it's not two talking fields. about a Wendy's triple, correct? Like an actual triple. Yeah, like there, like it went off to the side of the the outfielder, and it wasn't that hard hit of a ball. But that outfield, anytime the ball was like hit on a, a line drive, it wasn't slowing down in the outfield. It was it was flying. So it was. I don't think of it as a, as an error being made by the outfielder. I thought it was just you no know, hard hit ball that they couldn't corral, and then it just got got past to the fence. See, there's another field right beside yeah. that one that doesn't have a fence. So I did it in the one with the fence. I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, don't, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it for a second, but I did, and uh, life moves on. Glad you pulled through. And uh, the batting stats are looking pretty nice in that second game. Five for five, I still can't get over that. Yeah, man, I mean, well, there was a... There's, a dude on my team, he's got a couple different bats. I used to one off of him all of last year, as I called the purple people leader, had some purple on it, and hit some of my best stuff with that. I want like I'm gonna guess like one for four with a sacrifice fly in there. Um and then the second game I switched to his new bed that he got this year, and that's where I'm at. So we'll see where we go. So needless to say, you'll be using that bat for the foreseeable future. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Still need well, to get that first say, home run, but until I just wanted to make sure I'm hitting the ball well first. Completely understood. And I think that's a perfect segue into what we want to talk about tonight, because at least you have the opportunity to hit some balls. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so at least in, in the area of Somerset County, we were able to get our, our season going with the FOE Summer Softball League. Um, and no, a lot of fun. We were the we have thirteen teams, so each week is going to get a buy where you play a doubleheader. Starting the first set starts at like ten thirty or ten fifteen, then twelve thirty, then three fifteen. Um, we were the last set of games. We're going to be the last set of games next week, which is nice. Um, but we were able to come to an agreement, and basically, the only change from last year to this year is that we have to provide our own beer as a team rather than the league supplying it, and then you pay for it there based off however much you want to give them. Um, That's still such a cool concept. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. But we could also be having baseball in America and part of Canada as well if there still wasn't some bickering going on, Zach. Um, and this is, this is the issue that I have right now. Um, and I hope... You have some issue with it, too. I know you're not as wholehearted into this as I am, but, you know, your your fantasy baseball team relies on this, too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely shook. And and here's the thing. I need to find fault with someone more, more so not just an organization. I want to find fault with one specific person that I can blame. So you need to help me figure that out so that I can direct my tweets and my, uh, you know, anger towards them. Yeah. So I think here's the thing. It's all, it's going to be easier to pick this one side because of the amount of money that they make. Your team but player it, versus team owner. Yes. So there's really only two sides. It's the MLB, which is the MLB owners and the commissioner and the players union, the players association. Those are the only two parties that need to come to an agreement. And back in March, they came to an agreement that they will have 100% pro-rated salaries no matter how many games they play. Play 74 games, you make that much money based off 162-game season. Play 89 games, you make that much money based off 162-game season. Play 48, same thing. So if you are in the player's shoes and you were told by the owners that you would be given 100% prorated salaries no matter what, would you be expecting 100% prorated salaries in the negotiations, Zach? I would. I, I, I definitely remember that being a thing, and, and I'm guessing that the owners, was there a reason they just decided to renege on that? Like, they were just like, nope, like... It's because, and this is now this is my opinion, not really fact. It's because the owners aren't going to get any fan generated revenue in the stadium. And no, I guess they're still getting their, their television rights um, yeah. because they're still broadcasting the games on, on that medium and have the radio as well. But you're losing that money with the fans coming in, which they set their own prices for. So, um, I guess that is capitalism, but I was <laughs> going to try to go off on that as well. But, I mean, they, they set their own prices for their fans to come in and sit in the stadium to watch the product on the field. Where mm-hmm. you can just sit at home, pay for your your cable, however much you pay for that a year. Find an illegal stream if you don't pay for cable. Um, or listen to a, an FM radio, which no one has anymore. Um, and then you you find a way to... To get the game to you, um, with the with the owners losing all that money, I just think they realize, oh shit, maybe we can't afford that, even though they can. Um, I just don't think the owners want to take that big of a hit, and it's insane to me how much how valuable these teams are worth. And value is a is a tricky word, Zach. I don't know if you agree with me. Um, I mean, when you hear something being valuable. Um, that thing can change, right? Yeah, absolutely. A value can change at any time. So, do you know how much the Marlins were were bought for whenever Derek Jeter and his cronies bought them? No, but you will tell me. <laughs> I will. Um, oh, well, I'll make you guess first. I mean, it, this is a team that probably has the lowest attendance every year and is not doing that great with their farm system and not doing great with um competitiveness each year. I mean, what do you guess? Uh uh let's see. I'm going to say uh, 1 billion. billion Close. Really? 1.2 billion. But what makes you what makes you say a, a billion? I just I I really couldn't think of uh you know off the top of my head you, I, you hear like Forbes estimates on teams and whatnot. And I mean, I I feel like a billion's kind of low compared to when you hear like you know, some of the super teams like the Yankees and whatnot, and I, I forget what their value was, but just a billion almost seems low for a sports franchise in today's day and age, and being that the Miami Marlins are terrible, it just sounds like a good starting point. So, if I were to tell you recently, I need to find the year that this happened, because it was within the last five. Um, if I were to tell you how much the Kansas City Royals were, were bought for, um, this is a team that only made the playoff twice in 30 years. They did win the World Series in that one year, lost the World Series in that other year. Mm-hmm. How much do you think they were bought for? This is also a team that has since then just fell apart since that World Series uh, victory, but you know, still has that on their resume in the last decade. Uh, higher or lower than the billion? I'm going to let you figure that out. 
I'm going to say lower. How much? Uh, I'm going to say 800 million. 900 million. 900 million. Okay. Okay. So, but would you, would you want to say that just, you know, the whole value thing, um, I am going to get to a point with this. Would you say that fluctuate is what you're trying to get to? Yeah, a value fluctuation. But why would Kansas City be worth less than you know, the Miami Marlins? And basically, the only answer there is location. But for the actual product on the field, why is Kansas City less than Miami? And why the hell is Miami even worth that much? I think because you look at Florida. I mean, it all goes back to location. Just. Uh... The, the the talent or not not so much talent even though the Marlins did have talent back in the day, um, j- the attraction that playing in that area provides you, uh, as opposed to playing in in Kansas City would be my answer. Yeah, so I mean, really, there's no right or wrong answer to that question I just gave yeah. you. I'm just I'm just very curious to see how other people view this because. Basically, what I'm trying to say is the MLB is very valuable for franchises to be worth that much and to be generating revenue, record-breaking revenues each year since 2001. You would think that they can take a hit and still feel okay in the pockets and not have to worry about going to the unemployment line like 40 million people have had to do during this pandemic, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um I'll let you finish because I feel like you're you're gone somewhere, but I have thoughts on that. So proceed. no, I mean I I was okay with you filling in that time as well. So if you have the thoughts, go for it. I I just feel like the owners more so are are trying to use this current predicament as almost a a, a, a labor agreement because the CBA is up at the end of next season. So it's almost like they're trying to get to a head now as opposed to waiting until the end of next year where I, I believe at this point it's inevitable that a lockout's coming because these two sides are very far apart and, and I think a lot of people want baseball to have a salary cap and for the players that's a non-starter so uh, I literally feel like this is almost like an agenda fitting time if that makes sense to you yeah um I could see that being a thing where the owners are okay with canceling the season because they save more money that way than actually paying their players, you know, playing, uh, paying the workers that they hire each year. Um, Cause what the, the, some of the hourly staff are still getting paid and some and for, from some teams, other teams have not done that after the first two months. And, you know, you can only pay so much for people who aren't working um, unless it's unemployment. But so if you're like kind of getting both, you know, good for them. Yeah. But, you know, the the owners are, I think, the ultimate bad guys here. And I'm not saying that the players are going to be right in every sense of argument when it comes to all of this. Because when we keep hearing the words non-starters, that's just... I think that's also non-trying as well, or non—I don't give a shit as well. Um, it, I agree. With that. It just, yeah. But we go back to the the owners reneging on the prorated salaries. If the I think it's the if the owners would have went out there and said we want to do sixty games, hundred percent prorated salary, no matter what. Then if the players say no to that, then we have a reason to to be mad at the players more than we do the owners. So that's why I'd, I'd, it's hard for me to direct frustration to this. And I think in the next couple minutes, we will get to that, Zach. And then I want you to see, I want to see the fire tweets from you, okay? For sure. There's really, yeah. one, more, there's really one more thing I want to bring up to this before I think we, be, we get to our our conclusion of who to be mad at. Um, we, I mentioned briefly about, you know, the league revenue and billions of dollars, um, that the MLB has been able to break each year, break their previous year record for 17 years straight, 18 years straight from 2001 to 2019. I went over the numbers with you before, but you know, from 2001 to 2019, 
it's risen from $3.58 billion each year to $10.37 billion. Obviously, that's that record stops this year because of everything that's happened. You don't expect this to happen, and you know, you you move on. But it it just shows you that there's a lot of money to be made there because that's basically showing that the average revenue per MLB team is around three hundred and forty five point eight million U.S. dollars. How does that money not get dispersed to your players? in the following year based off how you have everyone sign. Like I can understand why the Yankees wouldn't want to do this at a hundred percent prorated salary, even though it's not a full year. I can understand why the Dodgers won't want to do it, even though it's not 162 games and you're not paying the full season. Every step of this argument, whether I'm actually making sense or not, I cannot find more reason to be mad at the players than the owners. Like from for this entire rant, um, I haven't really mentioned much about the players, so I'll just mention this really quickly. When the owners came out with their first with their first uh, presentation, it really wasn't that great. It was around fifty games at like fifty percent prorated salary, and the players were obviously like, "No, that's a non-starter. You can't do that." The players come back with a 114-game season ending in October with expanded playoffs in 2020 and 2021. That would put the owners in a tricky situation because with the supposed second surge coming with the COVID, uh, COVID-19 coronavirus, you might have to cancel the playoffs, which makes them lose more money after already giving the players however much into that. Uh, when you get that pool of, uh, you know, when you get TBS and, MLB and Fox Sports involved with the playoffs, that's when they really start making the money with all of those games. So they thought, you know, too late in the season to be trying to do that. So the MLB came out with 76 games at up to 75% prorated salary with 50% being a guaranteed. And doing the math there, Zach, um, with how with the 76-game regular season and the 50-game regular season, um, with how much they look to pay the players on prorated salary, it's estimated that the MLB players union would have to play 26 extra games for free because it's the same dollar amount that the owners are going to push out in the regular season than it was prior with their 50-game uh, regular season. So are we finding more reason to be mad at the players or the owners here? I definitely... Uh, side. If, if I'm going to pick a side, I'm going to side with the players. Um, I, I think the biggest crime of all of this, to be honest with you, and that doesn't you, your rant and and what you said was very well thought out, and that it then it went places. And I'm just going to say my summary as someone who doesn't follow the the negotiations and the proposals as, as closely. I think the fact that they, both the Players Association and the owners, let all of these things go public is what has really done it in for a lot of people. Um, you know, if there was a lot of behind the scenes negotiations where these proposals weren't being put out in public and and one side wasn't trying to shame the other and this was all back backdoor business dealings and, you know, at the end of the day, none of this really came out or if it was came out and it was like, Oh, we're playing. Here's what it is. Or if we're not playing, here's why I, I just, I, I feel like every time a proposal gets rejected or negotiations break off, you know, you have the players like Andrew McCutcheon out there and, and, and several others. And I think the most articulate of them, and that's no disrespect to anyone else that's tweeted, but the one I've followed closely is uh, Trevor Bauer, the the Reds pitcher. Yep. Uh, Cause every time there's a proposal, uh, he usually laughs at it, but then he does an in-depth breakdown. I'm pretty sure he did a uh, series of seven tweets tonight, kind of breaking down, like, what the hell's Rob Manfred thinking about right now? And, like, you know, why this isn't fair to the players. And, and, and so I was leaning towards team players anyway, because it's literally billionaires arguing with millionaires. And, and like you said, the owners could absolutely eat a portion of that. And, and where's all this money being dispersed and going and whatnot? So, yeah, I think in the grand scheme of things, and it's a damn shame how they treat minor league baseball players. But you could spend a whole another day on that. But, um, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I, I 
the worst part is that all these negotiations are public. Like both sides want you to pick them as being right or wrong, where in the grand scheme of things, it's just bad. The situation is so bad. And I think, like I mentioned before, that we are absolutely heading down a locked lockout path coming up because I just don't understand how this can get resolved. I don't want to say peacefully because I think Manfred can institute a season forcefully, but I think that more language would need to be changed in that uh, the player's grievance or whatnot, which is why the season is in doubt currently, because they would need to waive like health concerns or something like that that's more in-depth. So one more thing to go over here. I mean, you mentioned his name, Rob Manfred. I think right now, based off what he has said last week and now just today, is one of the most mad I've been at a commissioner in a sport. And, you know, Gary Bettman has his day, Zach. Um, where, you know, it's, it's just sometimes it's almost unbearable to think that he's been the commissioner for 20 years, I'm guessing, in the NHL. That sounds right. Um, but Rob Manfred last week saying 100% guarantee there is going to be a season in Major League Baseball. And now an article that came out three hours ago said Manfred's not confident MLB will play 2020 season. So can you just, Rob Manfred, can you just... Shut your mouth, please. And you just let this happen on its own. Because I also think Manfred's going to go out there and support the owners because that's how he gets paid. Yeah, for sure. By saying stuff like this. And now he's going to retract it and just make the players look bad again. But in the end, both parties look bad. It's just about who has more mud, one or the other. And I just think that's on the... The owners. I don't think the players have near as much damaged what is what has gone on in this process. But because the owners went public with it first, obviously you're going to fight back publicly. So you can't really blame the players there. They're put in that position where they look like an asshole if they don't take the deal. But now they're they're going back and putting together, I'll say, decent proposals. I think their most recent one was was good at an 89-game season beginning July 10th and lasting through October 11th, which is a 94-day period. So that's five days off, uh, full prorated salaries, and you get the expanded playoffs in 2020 and 2021. You know, a shitty idea, in my opinion, with expanded playoffs in baseball. I just think it's way too much. Um, and you get the player bonus pool of $50 million for the playoffs if there are no fans. So... You, you throw that out there, it's it's decent, we're getting there, but now we're literally running out of time. Like, you know, the daylight's burning. Um, throw in another pun for, you know, losing time. Um, this is getting to the point where it's not going to happen, and now we need to determine, Zach, when do we think they just go out there and just blow it up and say, nope, not doing it, sorry. Uh, you know, honestly, that's a great question because, you know, w- with also being mentioned the second round of coronavirus, everyone is scared of, um, you know, you're not going to be playing into November. The owners don't want that. Um, so realistically, I think we're down to days, like literally days that anything can be done. Um, I, I'm looking right now at uh, Trevor Bauer's uh, tweets just because I know he put out a long thing about it. Um, if it's between 50 and 60 games, you know, and, and apparently the owners want to wait a few more days to like decide or, you know, negotiate in good faith or whatnot. Uh, they are literally days away. And I would honestly say if another week goes by and no progress has been made or, or little progress, even at this point, I, I think the season would be scrapped. Yeah, there, there's not that much time. Well, I was going to say, because even if you come to an agreement, uh, let's say, let's say best case scenario, they reach one by Friday. Let's just say Friday. You're still going to, it's still going to take the players, uh, you know, a week to two weeks to get down there. Let alone, you know, I I think in Canada. So for like the Blue Jays or wherever they're going to end up playing, I think you have to self-isolate for a little bit uh, or just going by that. And even if they don't, it's still just the travel and everything involved. And then there's the the ramped up spring training because obviously you're not going to go start playing games cold and, and 
you know, by by trying to finish before November, it, it's I just don't see it happening at this point. Yeah, I, you know, I think it was our last show where we said, you know, you know, we are expecting a season this year, but not next year. I don't think we might not get baseball till 2022. And you with MLB the show pro- projected to come out for Xbox next year, and we're not even going to have that. Like I'm, I'm losing my mind. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a um, an ideal situation. Obviously, I just don't clearly. I and I know throughout this whole conversation, it, it leans leans towards it being the owner's fault. But I guess letting things get this bad and going so public with it, it's like a celebrity divorce. Which sign me up. I'm absolutely here for the trolls, the tweets, the comments, and whatnot. But just absolutely embarrassing for the sport itself. This is. Of all four right now, and you can't even include the NFL because they, you know, they're in the offseason. This is their offseason. Um, with the NBA and NHL, this is the easiest sport to get by with, you know, all the guidelines, regulations that the CDC has put out there. And it's a pissing game now with, between how much money is going to be dispersed out because no fans are coming in. And it's hard to feel bad for the billionaire especially right now. I don't think there's ever a time, Zach, when when you ever thought, you know, I really feel, I really do feel bad for Bob Nutting and his money think, situation during this, you know, during this trying time of the pandemic. No, well, I was no say, one's saying this. <laughs> one, one thing I wanted to ask you, since you are obviously the, the baseball guy between us two, is uh, how do you feel, and, and mainly a question for yourself, is what is your perception of baseball going to be moving forward, um, you know, once they start play? Like, obviously you love the game, and and, and the, the on-field product won't change, but just the, your overall sense of where things are at, and, you know, I, I got to imagine there's some built-up animosity there just towards both sides and just towards the sport in general at this time. I feel like right now I'm so numb to it that I'll be... Happy when it comes back, but it's it's not going to be joy, uh, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, where if we start to see them make progress and somehow get to a season in early July, I'm I'm gonna watch it because um, I'm just that's who I am. I'm with the sports. I'm going to be watching that whenever I get the chance to, especially when I you know root on for my favorite team. However, um, it. I don't know if the passion right now is going to be there. It'll build back up eventually. And I think it's just going to be a slow, um, a slow healing burn or wound for a lot of people that, you know, are, you know, damning the game away right now because they're losing time to actually put forth the effort to be the only sport in America of team sport to be watched right now. Mm NASCAR is doing their thing. Golf's doing their thing. I mean, this is the team sport, as people like to say, the big four in North America that can take advantage of this, and they're losing it. I think they're losing more money. I don't give a shit about the owners. I think they're losing more money um, by not playing than they are um, if they were to play and you know have to give up some money as the owners. Um yeah, this is just all in the owners. I want to see some some tweets later on saying how poor people they are in spirit, not really their money situation. <laughs> I think I can do that for you. I, I guess my last question for you um, is, so let's say baseball has a really productive week. They agree on a 50-game season because I've seen that out there. Um, you being more of the, I feel like you're more of a baseball purist and or not as open to some of the new ideas to the game. What does a 50 game season do for you? Like, uh, are you going to be like more intrigued because you, you can't exactly like every lineup decision matters and it's, you know, more, there's less margin for error. So like, I don't know. I feel like that could be like edge of your seat. And while I feel like you're getting gypped from easily, what could have been a, you know, 70 to 80 game season. Um, I feel like 50, if they do play obviously big, if they're, could be absolutely insane in terms of like, you know, just the lineups and the, okay, like this guy gave up four hits after two innings and you're down three, not that we don't have time to piss this start away, stuff like that. You, you think about how, the, how a season moves in baseball. It's very slow, but there's trends. 
And you look at the beginning of last year with the Washington Nationals in their first 50 games. This was always the big thing. Do you remember what the, the Nationals record was in their first 50 games? Weren't they absolute horse poop? 19 and 31. Mm-hmm. So let's think about this. We have a hunt. We have a 50 game season. The Nationals don't make the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. Obviously, they there was nothing to worry about back then. You're going to play the full season. The World Series champion of last year, with the terms that they might have this year, if you, what you said will happen. 50 games. They don't make the playoffs. They're like one of the worst teams in the in the big leagues and go after um, you know, the the draft just happened last week and I can't even remember the number one player taken. It was a first baseman is all I remember. Um, but they could have had Max Meyer. Um, he was a pitcher like taken third overall. Um, Meyer, I heard so, the number. Aha. Uh-huh. So <laughs> so I mean, I would love it because of the circumstance Mm -hmm. i mean obviously i don't want that to be a thing where they're going to shorten the season from 162 to maybe like 154 148 which i think has always been a possibility recently but Mm -hmm. i i like it for the circumstance that would happen because everyone has a chance hell even my buckos have a chance okay like i'm not (laughs) saying they're they're gonna do anything with it what was that I said anything to get you to believe a little bit. <laughs> exactly. That, that That's why I, I, I would be into the season, but I, I don't think my overall passion about the the sport in general will be there until they get things settled with the next CBA and start moving on from there. And I, and I also think you bring up a good point, too. Uh, one one shit week and you're in the toilet. You you could miss the playoffs. Like, the national story would have never been written under this circumstance. Um, so, you know, like, those powerhouse teams that we mentioned. And, and speaking of which, I just want to go on record and say the Houston Astros are the luckiest team in the world. This whole scandal is completely being, like, swept under the rug. And, and, and somehow what MLB is doing to their own sport has made it more important than the Astros. It, it is absolutely incredible that in a sense, they're going to get off scot-free because they're just not the topic of discussion right now. And even when baseball resumes, there's just going to be so much anger towards both sides that it's like, Oh yeah, I forgot Houston did that. It, it just a side note I had to mention because that is incredible. No, no, that's fine. And that, that's, that's a funny point to bring up. I mean, I did not forget, but I know like a lot of people will forget, and the the hatred towards the Astros is not going to be near as much as just the owners in the the players' union. So it was good to bring that up because I think that's a decent point to end on: is that the Astros are the are the real champions. Yeah, those scumbags. <laughs> True. Yeah. So well, I mean, I mean, here's the thing: you did not watch Long Gone Summer, but I did, and I'm just going to give you some some cliff notes because I think it's worth watching. Uh, I mean, for anyone, especially like me, and for anyone who is in love with the game of baseball, was too young to have witnessed that happen um, and fully remember the no the the I was going to say the severity of the of the moment. I don't know if that word makes complete sense in this. Uh, sentence or not, but to witness all of what was happening throughout that year um, was marvelous. I mean, for the way we communicate right now with social media and how quickly you can find out things, they were almost doing the same thing with Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire during the home run chase, uh, you know, going up to 62. And then, then when they both broke 62, no, well, all right, now who's actually going to win the race this year? And when Sosa took the lead with the last three games of the year, you know, then McGuire goes off and kind of um, seals the deal, especially on the last day. But um, I think the real cool things to, to pinpoint, Zach, is that it was between McGuire and Griffey after the first two months um, in May where – I think McGuire had 74 and Griffey had 30. That's a rough guess. Uh, Sammy Sosa had 13 home runs by the end of May. And then Sosa went on the, to have the best month of anyone's 
career in baseball, which he hit 20 home runs in the month of June. That's absolutely insane. Exactly. I think at one point he had 20 home runs in 21 games, and that was dating back from like from May. So it wasn't all in June when he he did that. Um, so Sosa gets into the mix with 33. McGuire has 40 some at the end of at the end of June. So you know, I believe he had 40 some. I could I could be back and forth on this because he was on pace to break the record of 61. And, you know, he's getting a lot of the media attention, kind of like Michael Jordan was. Um, and, you know, this is 1998. You know, the Bulls have just beat the Jazz to go on the back-to-back repeat. You get into July with the All-Star break. Now everyone's focusing their attention on this. And I think 1998 was probably one of the greatest sports years of all time, you know, with Michael Jordan and the home run race. And I can't think of what happened in hockey that year. Um the Red Wings went back to back, I think, right? Yeah, I believe that was '98. Here, let's check. Let's consult the Google. Yeah, I think the the Capitals were right. up that year. LOL. Yeah, the Red Wings won. Yep, they were the last team to go back to back before the Penguins. Yeah, so you have that in hockey, and then I think John Elway may have went back to back with Super Bowl titles earlier that year in '98. So I mean, everything about 1998 is spectacular, and this is what they get to end it on. With this home run chase, like a record that never never seemed to be um, even feasible to beat, you know, for all these years. And now you have two guys who are potentially going to break it and look to absolutely break it come beginning of September when McGuire, um, I think, had 58 by the end of August. So you go into September with a two-game set between the Cubs and the Cardinals in St. Louis and Maguire's at 60 at that point. And then on the first on the first of the two game set, Maguire hits number 61. So you go into the next day. By the way, he hit number 61 on his dad's 61st birthday. How cool is that? That's really cool. I did not know that. You'll learn it again later. Um and then the next day, and they also had Roger Maris's family there because Roger Maris finished his last two years of his career in St. Louis. So that's a nice gesture. They invited the Maris family to watch and see if history could be broken that day. And in the fourth inning, which was the same time Roger Maris did his in the fourth inning of his game as well, McGuire goes deep. And he said it was probably one of the shortest home runs of of that year. He was hoping it would just be a big one. Um, But he hit it hard and it just cleared the the left field wall, and you know McGuire's up sixty two to fifty eight. Sosa goes out there and cheers him on. Like it's one of the longest pauses in a game that you'll see, um, especially in the regular season. I think this was one of the most watched regular season game of all time, and or at least in recent memory, um, was McGuire's sixty second home run. And later on, Sosa, like I mentioned before, Sosa kind of. Catches up, and then McGuire goes on a tear the last three games of the season. So just to kind of watch how the storyline moved along where Sosa wasn't even considered in the mix until the end of June when he went off, um, it's exciting to see how those two teams in the same league and the same division were competing for something that never seemed to be able to be broken, and both of them broke it the same year and crushed the record as well. That absolutely is incredible. And that was so great for baseball, too. Like, just, uh, I remember, I, I don't remember the exact game breakdowns like you just provided, but I remember being in, in, in tune with that. And just, uh, I, I remember, like, that was the first generation that I really grew up watching baseball. And I, I was uh, definitely, it was always fun to watch those two square off and obviously Barry Bonds as well. Um, I remember McGuire. Uh, was it? It was him that used to hit that Big Mac sign, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I vividly he, he remember. He is Big Mac. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Okay. Because I remember watching that as a kid and just being like, "Those are absolute piss missiles!" Like, holy shit! Like, but yeah, no, I, I, I definitely want to watch it. You, you've, you've uh, convinced me not that I was uh, on the edge of wanting to watch it. I, I it was going to get done, but uh, yeah, now I will tune in. So one thing that. 
I didn't really enjoy as much. It really isn't, and I don't see how much you can put into it. There's not too much drama when it came to all of this. This was just a show, mainly, that just unraveled all season long. There's a couple hiccups here and there where it's the beginning of, you know, seeing steroid use being caught, but it's not illegal at the time. So it's like, you know, does the record still hold or not? Blah, blah, blah. All that good stuff. And now, uh, you know, with McGuire and Sosa basically being shamed and they're not going to be in the Hall of Fame, most likely. And, you know, guys like Rafael Palmero, Brady Anderson, Barry Bonds, Alex Rodriguez, all these uh, big time sluggers. I think Craig Biggio was a part of that, too. Um who most of them were using stuff to um, go throughout the season without getting hurt. It wasn't really about building muscle. It was about just staying healthy. Um, and there was no, nothing in the rule book that stated that they couldn't do it otherwise. So my question to you, and I'm going to try to explain this to see if I can get your thoughts on this, is that when the MLB kind of imposed a couple years later, like at least by 03, I think they started to put this in the, into the rules where you cannot take, you know, anabolic steroids, like illegal steroids or anything that will like kind of be a performance enhancing drug um, to your body. And now they're going to shame all the guys that brought the sport back to what they were trying to be before after the, after the lockout in 94, where they lost the world series and lost a lot of money. Um, do you think that those guys in that time era deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? I'm very adamant about that. Uh, with a with a strong yes, they absolutely do. Because as you mentioned, at the time when a lot of this was going on, it was not illegal to do that. Um, and and I truly feel that just because you took a steroid. It, it might make you stronger. It does, it does make you stronger. But you still have to swing the bat. You still need to actually produce. You still need to have the coordination and the timing. I don't think a steroid really helps with that. Um, and I guess my last point about that is, I, 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 have you been to Cooperstown? Actually, I have not. That's something I do need to do. Really? Oh, wow. I would have had you gone there. But yeah. So I guess, <laughs> I, I guess my thing is, I, I've been there, and I love it. It's... It, it's baseball, every baseball fan's dream. And you love the sport 10 times more than I do. And, uh, you know, w- when you see the lack of exhibits and, uh, memorabilia and, and whatnot for those guys, you almost feel like it's not a hall of fame because at least when I grew up watching it, the sport was centered around those guys and everything they did was, you know, incredible. You lived and died with some of those games and, you know, I remember that dude catching Bonds' home run ball and, like, you know, just getting absolutely mauled. And, like, you know, you would almost, if you never knew about baseball beforehand, you would almost forget half of these moments ever happened because baseball couldn't get out of its own way and shame the very same people that saved their game. So, I guess, in a sense, I, I'm very adamant that those guys should be in the Hall of Fame. If anything, it was an important chapter for baseball to grow and or it was just a unique chapter. Like it, it was uh, the steroid era in baseball. And I don't think those guys should be shamed, especially when it wasn't illegal at the time. But, you know, I, I'm sure others have feelings on that. It seems to be most, most of the bitter butthurt pirates fans that watch Barry Bonds go from being like 175 pounds to 250 and absolutely jacked and just mad that he left the team. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I strongly believe they should, that every one of those players should be in the hall of fame. Oh, yeah, and I think you just took the words out of my mouth. Yes, you know, right now it's illegal, especially in in Major League Baseball, to where if you're doing that now knowingly, then you don't deserve it, in my opinion, now. But back then, whenever it was just so cloudy and murky, and there was no real concrete line as to whether this was legal in the sport or not. So when something is still kind of chalky, you don't really, you don't really have a full judgment on it. Um, mm-hmm. That's why I think, you know, it's kind of weird to label me as a purist like you did earlier. But 
um, as far as like how the game is played and how the league is structured, maybe in that sense I am, but I, that's what I was referring to. Not so much the steroid era and, you know, wanting those guys. Okay. Thank Thank you. I'm glad I figured that out. Um, then, yeah, I know I agree with you. I mean, Sosa has over 600 home runs. He broke 61 home runs three times. <laughs> I mean, Maguire did it once. Um, Bonds did it once. And I think there was another player that did it once. But, you know, Sosa did it three times. And <laughs> I think that's that just shows you how, uh, how consistent he was uh, throughout his years in, in Chicago before kind of just getting thrown out of there, actually. Um, they go over that in the documentary as well, very briefly about his exit from Chicago. But um, I think it's, I don't know if it's because of such of the high that we got, and not just us, uh, that everyone got from the last dance that doesn't really bring as much um, oomph to the table when it comes to a documentary like this because of, of the presentation and like i said lack of drama but the 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 way the story's told um i like that it, it didn't have you kind of lolling like uh in the lance documentary where it was recent stuff that just happened and it was just a reiteration the first the first part of the two episodes was how lance got into cycling and i felt that was more interesting than the actual story itself that we knew about no, i don't care <laughs> yeah so, um, but no, I, I would give this overall, um, and yes, I'm using this number just because I can, and I think this is actually kind of falls in the range, a 6.9 out of 10. Nice. Nice. <laughs> no, I, 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 I Go ahead. When, when you watch it, I think you're going to agree with me. Yeah. I could be wrong, though. I, I'm, uh, I probably, as soon as we get off. Uh, recording i'm gonna go check it out because one i have nothing to do tonight and two i mean everything described to me being mad at baseball i would like to watch some good baseball so yeah and you know ultimately this was a time when everybody got together and just was was happy about these two guys going after this record it was just something to almost like bet on too could you imagine the betting now oh god i didn't even think about that be insane so um I think it'd be cool to maybe wrap it up here with a little MVP action. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you go first. Cause my life was a joke this week. I don't even know if I have an MVP or an LVP. I mean, I uh, have two, you have two weeks to decide on this. <laughs> it's true. And my life has been a drag both weeks, but uh, let's, let's see what you come up with. And I'll think of something. Well, I, I apologize for that. Um, so <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with Andrew McCutcheon just because of, his most recent video of juice versus water. If you've seen that on the Twitter. I, uh, I didn't see the video per se, but I heard people talk about it and I've seen his tweets except for that. So, so essentially he's pretending to talk to his son where he, he kind of plays his son with a, with a high pitched voice. And it's just all shots of Andrew, you know, with him leading off saying, you know, if you go in the potty, I'll give you juice. And then there's noise of son make going to the potty that I guarantee it was just from like audacity or somewhere that he just able to rip the sound from. Mm -hmm. And after that, Andrew said, all right, here's your water. And he said, you hear the little high pitched voice go, no juice. He said, what about water in this coffee mug? Or what about water in this water bottle? Or what about water in this? And it was basically, and this skit was basically an interpretation of what's going on with the yeah. MLB arg arguments and the negotiations yeah. was, Hey, I'm going to give you this for doing this. Okay. How about I just give you this instead? No, I did this because you told me I would, you would give me this. So the, the Andrew McCutcheon, um, I think Jeff would be ripping me for having Andrew McCutcheon as my MVP because, you know, I guess, I I was okay with the Pirates trading him at the time, even though I thought he was detrimental to the team before that. It was just the right time to do it. So, suck it there, Jeff. Um, Andrew McCutcheon's my MVP of the week. 
That was uh, it's pretty good. I'll, I'll have to check that video out too. Essentially, I'm just gonna spend tonight watching baseball stuff, whether that be Twitter videos, Trevor Bauer tweets, the documentary. Hell, I might even watch like Angels in the Outfield or something. Um, yeah, uh, all that time, and I still couldn't think of uh, who I want to name my MVP for the week. I mean, realistically, sure as hell, it's no one from baseball, both sides, except for you know, apparently McCutcheon was funny, so I guess that's cool. You could say um, Trevor Bauer for breaking it down for you. Yeah, I mean, I, literally I was considering that, but I felt like that'd be too plain. I, I mean, here's the thing, though. I guess I will give it to him because as an outsider that, that really just wants to see the sport be played for, if merely anything, just to have something on at the bar when I go, obviously practicing good social distancing, um, just just to not have an option on TV right now, like like a sport. I mean, it, it hurts. And, and, you know, I, I, I tell you guys I'm not the biggest baseball guy, but it's still something I'd absolutely watch. I mean... I do an MLB The Show breakdown every week, it seems like. So, I mean, I play the games. I, I just don't know the sport as well as you guys. But it's a damn travesty that it's not being played right now. So, yeah, I would – I would, uh, I'll give it to Trevor Bauer for just uh, being the Oscar Martinez of the group and explaining me, explaining to me the CBA situation like I'm five. <laughs> it's always great that you can get an office reference in there. I do what I can. <laughs> so – all right. Um, I mean, I think next week Jeff will be here with us. I mean, we'll find out. I don't know how long he'll be leaving us on this vacation. It's my turn to take a trip now. You you missed the other week, and then Jeff missed, and it's my turn. No, I'll, I'll be here. I mean. I think Zach's a little butthurt from this, so I think we're going to end it here. Um, you're, you've been listening to, to Icy Tapes. You know, this is... That's Zach and I'm Big Dave. We do this every week and with Jeff as well. We usually do. Um, um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. You can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You know, So if you're listening to us on one platform right now, why not just go on another one just for funsies? Up the up the uh, listener count a little bit for us. Um, you can like us on Facebook, Icy Takes with Zach, Jeff, and Big Dave. Follow us on Twitter at Icy Takes all together. One word, I-C-E-Y Takes, because that's the way we like to spell it. Um, follow the Twitter at Big underscore Day 52. At Zach Morris 82. And at J Chris, J underscore Chris 51. It's one of those. Um, you know, oh. like our Lord. What was that? That's, it sounds right. Yeah. I mean, you, you'll find it eventually. It's a, there's an underscore somewhere in that name. Um, but spelled just like our Lord and Savior. Oh, man. Hopefully we'll be back next week when we don't go as far off the rails as we did this week. But uh, we hope you enjoy the show, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Dollar bills, y'all. Come on now.